I asked Fat Tony if he had anything to say about all this. You got something to say, Tony? Thank you. Welcome to Cut to Black, a Sopranos sit-down. My name is Jim Scampoli, and I've seen every single episode of The Sopranos. My name's Jacob Burrows, and I've seen every single episode of The Sopranos and every single episode of Fear City, the Netflix documentary that came out just the other day, and it goes into the history of the mob a little bit and uh, all of that. So we figured we'd throw this up on the feed, have a little discussion about the documentary. Uh, but first of all, Jim, how do you feel getting back into mob shit? It's been forever. Welcome back. I was going to say it's... It's been far too long, and I've I've missed discussing Sopranos and mob shit and crime, and I've missed oh. you, the listeners of Cut to Black. So I'm very excited to be back discussing this stuff because we we will try to keep. It, I mean, obviously, we're going to talk about this Netflix series that just uh, premiered. We'll try to you know reference the Sopranos a bit to talk about it in the vein of that to keep it on topic. But I mean, mob shit—it's got to be on topic, right? Absolutely. Um, so if you haven't heard of it, this uh, is a Netflix documentary uh, in three parts. They're all about somewhere between 40 minutes and an hour. And it basically goes into the commission case where the big five families of the New York mob uh, at the time in the 80s were, uh, you know, more or less successfully taken down by an FBI operation. It's basically the first time they successfully used the Rico thing, which is yes. obviously referenced in every mob thing ever created afterwards because it's like the boogeyman. And this is the big time they actually managed to use it really successfully and get the bosses of the main five families in New York. Um, so we're going to talk through a little bit of what's going on in the documentary. What do you... You know how it relates to the Sopranos, like we said. But in general, Jim, what do you think about the documentary itself? Well, I think it's very good. I think it also suffers from like Netflix itis, I guess, for lack yes. of a better term. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Because it's like they want it to be a series, just because net, you know, docu series are so big right now. It doesn't necessarily need to be three episodes. It it would have worked just as I mean I guess it's not that it's that much over two hours anyways because I guess I think the the first episode is like 45 minutes and then the second episode's mm -hmm. roughly the same and then the third is an hour but you could probably get it into a tighter like say hour and a half maybe two hours just kind of documentary I'd say at least the way it's yeah. presented I'm sure there is a lot more they could have delved into um but I mean, I don't know. It's still not bad. Like that, the way it's laid out, it just feels a little stretched because they're like, "Oh shit, docu series are the way to go." I definitely feel where you're coming from because I felt like my excitement petered a bit as the show went on because it's three episodes, like you say, and it feels like it could have been an hour. Uh, at a half you know if, they, yeah. if this was the only story they were intent on telling that would have been fine uh in that time span and i felt like there was so much more they could have gone into and i even have like jotted down some examples of what i would have liked to see like in episode three or whatever uh they do a really great job of telling the story they want to tell but it's like at one point i'm like you're really dragging out this one part of it and obviously the history of the mob it's could be a huge topic to span everything but what they do basically is it's it's all from the perspective of the fbi pretty much so it's kind of not the story of the mob as much as the story of 
this FBI operation, which really, obviously, uh, like the closest uh, Sopranos uh, semblance is the lamp. Yes. <laughs> the whole lamp sequence where they spend the whole episode getting the lamp, uh, which doesn't go anywhere. Uh, it actually did go somewhere in this one. <laughs> well, but it's it, that's also perfect. And to bring that up already, because the first... Um... The first like big uh, like plant the bug story they get into in the documentary is with a guy named Ruggiero. And I mean, it's that's Soprano. Soprano that episode is called Mr. Ruggiero's Neighborhood. So it's like clearly Sopranos was doing like a direct reference to this. At least I assume because it's like the, the, the same name. Uh, yeah. I was like, that can't just be because they because that line even in the episode it just seems like such a dumb Mr. Rogers joke, which is still fun, but it's like, it's not forced, but it's almost forced. It's kind of like, oh, they're just talking about this Mr. Ruggiero guy who we don't know that lives in Tony's neighborhood. But yeah, it's clearly uh, a callback to this particular case, uh, which is when they're putting in the the uh, the phone bug where they like, oh, we're the phone company here yeah, coming in just to fix your phone. Uh, and they put a bug in. But I love that, like, right in the first episode, if you are a Sopranos fan and you're thinking about watching it, there are little things like that. And I think it's the best, because yeah, Rico is brought up in a lot of a lot of mob things, but I never really was cognizant of it until The Sopranos. And The Sopranos just talks about it, like, like they don't explain it. And I feel like this is a good primer on that if you don't want to just dig around through FBI files or Wikipedia. Uh, it's interesting the way they get into how that works and what it actually means and how they use it against the mob. I think it's kind of good uh, crash course in that if you're watching The Sopranos. For sure. What is the line in that episode? Like, Mr. Yeah, let me look that up. Yeah, what is that? Cause I don't... So you know, I've I've still, even though it's been a little bit of time, I haven't rewatched all of the Sopranos yet, so it's not as fresh in my mind, <laughs> unfortunately. Because um, um, yeah, I'm trying to find what is the quote. Because they even say something. Well, you know, it's Mr. Ruggiero's neighborhood. Hmm. Well, while you're looking for that, I'll just touch on. Uh, there's they go in in episode three to uh, Carmine Galante's murder, um, and he would have been you know, a big mob boss slightly before the timeline of the show. They're just trying to bring in a murder that they're tying into the Rico case. And that is also referenced on The Sopranos because it obviously was like a big deal that this big mob guy uh, got taken out. But it's actually not brought up, you know, by the Sopranos crew or anything like that. It's uh, it's brought up by uh, Kusumano when they're playing golf and someone <laughs> yeah. asks Kusumano, did you ever see that picture of, you know, dead Galante with a cigar still hanging out of his mouth, his eye hanging out? And Kusumano calls it like a fucking beautiful hit. And it's just great. Uh, like, it's obviously not something they'd... It, it, it's just one of those things that would have been out in the media so much that it's influenced the public perception of the mob and everything. So, of course, it's Kusumano talking about this rather than Tony or anyone else. <laughs> I can't fucking find it. Of course I can't find it right now. I'll have That's to find right it after. Here. My bad. I should have had it ready because I was all excited when they brought it up. I was like, it's like the quote. It's like the episode. <laughs> so they they reference um, the guy anyway because this guy, it's, they, you know, there's a bunch of people in the FBI being interviewed. A couple of people uh, from the mob now turned informants uh, who are in it as well. We like, uh, where is he anyway? Michael. Well, uh, um. Uh, 
well, one thing I want to talk about too, like going through the first episode, uh, when they when you when we are listening to the real guys, at first I'm like rolling my eyes. I don't know why that is because I love mob movies and stuff, yeah. and obviously I love The Sopranos. But then when I see a real guy, I feel like he's doing the movie. But these yeah. guys were doing it before the movies. <laughs> but I can't yeah. help. I mean, I guess it's because I connect it to. There are people in my own life, like uh, growing. I grew up in New England, uh, outside of Boston, and you know, a lot of Italians, and we love our mob movies. But then there are some kids who grow up that think they're in a mob movie. So I can't help but like connect them to some kid who's like, "Hey, over here, you know, what are we doing?" So sometimes when you see a guy, and I mean, it's a, another uh, like symptom of like Netflix docu series, is that it's if you step out of it sometimes it's so melodramatic the way like the locations they're in and the camera moves yeah. and then like putting that in with the reenactments i get it mm-hmm. it all fits the tone so i get why they're doing it but when they have the guy sitting down like in a darkened bo- boxing gym and the camera's like panning by and he's like you know we had a lot staring of staring into yeah, space we had a lot well. of respect that's how we were raised that's how it's a this is a thing of ours and at first, I'm like, oh, oh boy, like, but then I, like, I, it slowly starts to sinking, like, sink into my head, like, no, this isn't some kid you went to high school with. This is a guy who was, you know, regularly interacting with murderers, if not partaking in murder himself, but real crime. So you, ha- like, it, it, you know, you get hit with reality. But it was that was my process initially, and also I guess maybe as a symptom of the Sopranos, I'm like hating all the FBI guys. <laughs> So I'm watching. Well, it I was gonna ask that. I I was like, I wonder if people watching this are like these fucking FBI always on our tails, guys. <laughs> uh, and like maybe there's an aspect of me in that because I didn't I didn't feel that about the FBI, but I did kind of dislike like uh, one of the main mob guys talking about it, Michael uh, Franzese, who's basically just made a career about uh, out of talking about his life in the mob. Um, and I don't know if that's me going like fucking snitch. I don't think it is. I think it's me more me going like, yeah, you made lots of lots and lots of money off violent crime for years. You went to prison for like a few years and now you're making lots and lots of money talking about all the violent crimes you did. Yeah. <laughs> is like, that oh, the, <laughs> the dude that's in like the bar? Like, uh, I think I know which guy you're talking about. Yeah, he's in yeah. everything. Like, he's... Because uh, I was going to say... To be I've, fair, like, I've, he, he has, like, given an inside perspective because he's, like, the only guy who's been, like, a high-up guy and just walked away and hasn't gotten killed or hasn't gone into witness protection and has been, like, a guy in the media forever. Like, go to YouTube. There's interviews with him that are, like, an hour long and everything. It's the same guy in all the mob documentaries. I was going to say, I've definitely seen him in other things. And, and again, like... Uh, I guess to call myself out, I'm calling out people from high school that think they're in the mob, but there's a part of me that's like, ah, oh, you fucking rat. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I figured, but it's no, like, I have it's... no, I have no, uh, like uh, I have no claim to be able to do that. Uh, <laughs> but I'm like, ah, oh, you fuck this fucking guy, this rat over here. Cause I definitely, you're right. I've seen him in stuff and it starts, I'm a part of it also is like, all right, we get it. You were in the mob. Stop like being such a salesman for yourself. But also, like, please tell me more. <laughs> tell me some stories because yeah. I want to hear mob stories. Yeah, it's true. But like, I want to uh, comment on what you said as well about how they way the way they've filmed it is very Netflix docu series. But yeah, I, I, there's a lot of bits that are 
pretty cheesy and like you said over dramatized where if you step away to do something else for a bit and you come back you're like this is a lot uh, and i can't help thinking all the way through about how they filmed and edited it and like for example when this guy we were just talking about talks about when he was initiated into the mob and you know he describes the whole ritual which we kind of see in the sopranos of course when um well, so I, yeah, we see it in the Sopranos yes. movie several times. Well, yeah, most notably, Christopher. Yeah, huh? yeah, most notably with Christopher, of course. Um, but like, it, it's described, and it's just this sort of close-ups of like a burning picture of a saint or what have you, and like it may as well have a crow there, like ah, like <laughs> really like dramatic music and everything. And I'm I'm kind of okay with that for the most part but i'm it, it it just makes it more cheesy for me rather than just the facts in a way and i felt the same about a lot of the reenactments and i i probably haven't watched as many like true crime documentaries as you because i assume this happens in all of them and you can't it's kind of a language you get used to but you know when they're talking about going up to the door dressed up as the phone guy it's like they have actual footage of that happening. What I think is actual footage of that happening. And yeah. that's really cool. But they intercut it with like, you know, desaturated close-ups of like uh, zipping up the uniform and lifting the phone and doing all of that. And I get that they probably have to do that because they have to tell a visual story. But I'm also like, this is pretty cheesy. <laughs> yeah, because I was wondering about that too. I assume that that's real footage. But then I started second-guessing myself. I was like, wait a minute, did they just touch up touch up some footage to make it look real but i guess they they wouldn't be able to help themselves with the desaturation and the actual like the action if they did that with other reenactments i would have been like oh, okay maybe that first footage was not real but it must be real because every other yeah. reenactment is a clear reenactment and you're right that's There's more exciting to see when they're just like it's like all like a film reel it's old school and you could tell they're like filming through windows and shit um and maybe that makes the reenactment seem cornier and you're especially you're right yeah. if they're intercutting it in the middle i didn't have quite as much of a problem with the reenactments later on but yeah that was probably the best one and i also i love that guy though the bag man and he's trying to like He's trying to talk about his skills like, oh, you have to be someone that can blend in. You know, I, I guess that's how I grew up. And it's like, no, dude, you just put on a phone company <laughs> uniform. You didn't really <laughs> not to, you know, uh, take the piss out of him or anything. But it's tough to, you know, they have him building this up like such a skill. And then it's like, OK, so then I put on a phone company uniform and I was like, hey, I'm from the phone company. And they let me in. And <laughs> well, it is the same guy doing it to another mob boss later, right? When they yeah. do the television thing. Yep. And I'm just like, you know, these mob bosses are in contact. Like, I, 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 I'm sure they planned around it, but I just imagined a hilarious situation where, you know, the the same guy was there, like, huh, you do TVs too, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not just phones, eh? <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it's I, I, that's a good point that they don't really. I was just going to say about that one where they have footage. It's a big glass window when he goes in and does that. Um, it seems like real footage and it, it would make sense for them to film it. Like, why would they not film it? Even if the guy freaked out and beat up their agent, They're like that's evidence now, <laughs> Yeah, you yeah. know, or what have you. So it makes sense to film it. But that's my favorite part out of the whole documentary is any time we're seeing actual footage or photographs even just i paused it because they show like the crime families all the five families with loads and loads of pictures of everyone and i pause it on that because i'm like i really want to see 
the actual stuff from the real investigation and they play a lot from the tapes obviously which makes sense i'm not as excited about that because they just insist on rewinding and replaying yes. bits over and over and that part is also really dramatized i need to mention because like if, if you haven't seen it yet just imagine like a talking head of some uh, uh older woman now who was young at the time was in the fbi and she's talking about what it was like working the case all pretty interesting but then we cut right and she's still like herself the old woman but in like on like a, a stage like yeah. she it's been set up all dark and like smoky and she's sitting there rewinding an old tape recorder and pressing play and i'm just like these people aren't actors so they're you're making the real people reenact what it was like with this big tape recorder but you got to do it in this desaturated netflix way and that also makes it a little bit more cheesy than just playing it you know <laughs> well and especially by the last episode it like i've had enough of the click stop rewind play they it do again it a lot i mean it's yeah. it would have been fine if they did that but then when they like replay it you get a little bit more or you get i don't know some more context if it served more of a purpose but it's just you know, so much B-roll of, yeah, stop the reel-to-reel, rewind the reel-to-reel. I mean, I guess I get it. It shows that there is this, you can imagine the monotony of, like, d doing some of this this gig, like being a federal agent spying on someone, you're just sitting there listening to so much shit, like so much garbage. Because, I mean, even the amount of lines they have, you have to think about how many hours of just listening to some guy talk about uh, Gabagool or whatever for a long time until finally you get uh, some juicy dish. Because even then, like, I don't think the series even de delivers up the juiciest of lines. I was, I was expecting for, like, some, like, real, like, holy shit, this broke everything open. This is, like, the conversation. But it's also about how it's not really like that. It's not like a movie or a TV show where that happens. It's just the you know overtime little details here's a detail now we learn this that led to this so in a way that's kind of like sopranos you're not getting this big explosive climax uh it's just every now and then a guy will be like uh bring him over here. we'll fucking kill him <laughs> and I, the one thing i love about hearing the recordings though is it sounds like someone knows they're being recorded it's like how are you <laughs> pronouncing you know, then we get the unions, and then there are unions. <laughs> like, oh, that was a, that was a great line. I can't blame them for replaying that one. Where they're like, yeah. "We're gonna staff them. You know, get someone's daughter, whatever. <laughs> they're the secretary now. Get our people there. Then it's our union." I'm like, "This is straight from the Irishman." <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's so funny because it's it feels like people wouldn't talk that way, but it and it's such a great like you know, lightning strike that they had that recording in that location when this conversation was happening to get that. And in a movie, it would be very underwhelming, but obviously in real life, it's very different. So, but it's just great because it just sounds like when a person is, has a bug and they're trying to get someone to say the thing, but it's just yeah. people that don't know they're being bugs saying the thing. It's, it, that's pretty fun. Uh, the beginning, the first episode, uh, it, Tying it back to Sopranos, it amazed me on how much of that stuff I already knew from watching The Sopranos, whereas The Sopranos doesn't stop to say, this is how it works. We have a boss, yeah. underboss. I mean, they do little things like that. I mean, obviously through the FBI, where we see Tony and Junior on the board and then the, the, the captains, but it's more just from conversation, the way Tony talks to captains, we pick up who does what. 
who kicks up to who. It's interesting how, like, it's a, like another way that I marveled a bit at the Sopranos. I mean, I guess it's also just from watching mafia movies, but Sopranos specifically, the way they lay out a lot of that stuff that the first episode spends time making sure that you, the viewer, are, are aware of like how the you know the the levels of uh, of the mafia work. Yeah, I, there was definitely a, an aspect of me going like, come on, I, I knew this already. Come on, doesn't anyone, everyone know this? Uh, like, I was into mob shit before it was cool, you gabagoo. And that's kind of means that there's nothing mind-boggling in the whole show, which is a little <clears> bit, <throat> like, I, I, it's just fun to see some of the detail. Like I said, when we get real stuff that feels genuine, it's interesting. But, like, just as an example, uh when they're talking about like following the car because they have a bug in a car, they follow the car, but they can't follow it with their van because the technology yeah. isn't there where like they can't like broadcast the signal very strongly. So that follow it with the car, have a repeater in the car that sends the signal to the van. And I'm like, that's interesting. And I would have loved to just have more on like the tech they're using. And instead of just having them rewind the tape over and over, go like, so the microphone like 10 years earlier, the microphone was this big, but now we get it this big. But yeah. still, the signal was this weak, and we had to be within this radius. And so, you know, because we see that in mob films all the time, where they're always looking at around for a van or what have you. But in today's technology, there's absolutely no way you would need a van close by. You can just, I would assume, just pop in a microphone or whatever and, and go... Uh, you know, get it recorded from anywhere in the world, more or less, because and now this time when when they're doing it here, it's like the the car ran out of battery because the bug is plugged yes. into the battery. That was interesting. You know that that sort of detailed texture of the story. I thought that was super interesting. But then, uh, yeah, uh, you're right. I wish they spent more time on like how the bugs work and stuff because. So how are like the bugs in the restaurant powered? I guess are they just kind of powered into the light that they're attached to? And then also when they I mean it's interesting how you know they they pull over the tow truck, the guy had a suspended license so it gave him an opportunity to get back into the car, replace the bug. But then I'm thinking, so does the battery die again? Did we change yeah. how the bug works? Like that that could have been stuff uh to spend some time on to get into and I I kind of would have loved that. Yeah, I was thinking about that as well. Um, and also, like, in the restaurant when they plant the bug there, they install a bug under the table. And uh, I guess it's not real footage. It's a recreation or whatever. But even before the bug gets discovered, I'm like, how are they hiding it under that table? It just looks like a regular <laughs> table. How are you going to just hide? And also, how big is it? How much do you need to hide this bug? I was interested in those detailed questions. And it's, like, it's definitely you know, a long enough documentary that we could have gone into that. If the focus is this narrow, we're just talking about bugging for like two episodes until we get to the court case and everything. Then it's like, well, tell me more about these bugs and don't just play the same thing over and over, you know? Well, because and also the way it's played out, I mean, and I guess maybe this is because, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and seeing mob movies, you understand how things work and they're coming from a different place, like where that didn't exist. Because... The first episode makes it seem like it's a revelation to like, oh my god, we should bug the mob. Like, like it kind of it, it makes. Yeah. There's a few times like that where it makes the FBI or the feds look like completely stupid, and I don't know if maybe there's some truth to that or it's just the the way they dole out the story because it's like a oh my god, we could plant wiretaps and we can listen to them, and then even when they get into the Rico stuff, and they have to be like. 
go to you have to go to this seminar and learn about this law and they're like laws come on are you serious <laughs> and he's like fine i'll go to the stupid seminar and he's like oh my god this is law this is stuff we could be using it's just weird the way it's pitched i mean i guess it's easier said than done to understand like i guess rico was more of they said it's recent but then they also made it seem like it's very obscure or people didn't know how to use it properly and that's why they have to go to this seminar but it's, I guess, probably more realistic because you just assume like, oh, if someone's an FBI agent, they know every law. They they know it all in their heads. They don't uh, have to do research or figure out ways to try cases. They know to just bug people and put wiretaps. Well, yeah, they're talking a lot about how the classical method would be, you know, get informants or what have you. But that you know even even when you take someone down it doesn't take down the organization you can usually yeah. just get to a soldier and rico again i i felt like i've absorbed absorbed this just through movies or or whatever that you know rico is the crime of the actual organization of it you know how if you order someone to be killed uh, or if you're just involved in a big conspiracy it's basically criminal conspiracies um uh, what does rico stand for again they show it for like a second uh Rico yeah, law. but because it's basically racketeer, yes, yeah, there we go. Racketeer influenced and corrupt organizations act, um, and it went. It was published in 1970. I'm gonna assume that means it went into effect then, because they said it's been around for like 10 years and they just weren't using it. So you know, great job there, guys. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, it's like a revelation. And but I, you know, stuff like we didn't. I imagine in the 70s, I don't know what the, what the fuck a bug would have looked like in the 80s. I imagine it's a bit better, you know? True. <laughs> but in present day, we know, like, from your FBI friend, uh, Jim has an FBI friend who's yes. been on his other show. Jim's a narc. Um, <laughs> but on Jim and Them, uh, your FBI friend talked about how one of the things that would amaze people if they knew wouldn't necessarily be, you know, secret information. It might be, like what could be a microphone these days because anything's a microphone like you're not going to find a microphone because anything's a microphone today and i've learned <laughs> and that, that clearly wasn't the case i just want to know where the line was you know and you could just learn that from watching conspiracy youtube they'll tell you that everything's a microphone but that's Hi, the, everything's a chip yeah the twist is that they're right mm. uh but yeah yeah no i i think that's a great point that they could have spent a little bit more time on like the tech they were using and how it because the the car thing was great because they would have multiple cars with repeaters uh to send the signal back to the truck so it wouldn't be so obvious so yeah i i loved that at that point um hilariously we all are very familiar with the repeaters just because of wi-fi signals now yes. so no everyone watching was just like yes of course <laughs> Uh, also, going back to the first episode, uh, I forget the agent's name at this point, but uh, he was sending Paul Castellano greeting cards, like just to troll him. Like that's such a fun detail that you know I'm sure it's even already been in a movie, but that's something you put in your script of like ah, you know, the tough nose the detective. He's he's he, he's so egotistically such a, a maniac. He's even sending greeting cards saying like happy birthday to his the person he's trying to catch or whatever because it didn't really go anywhere i was expecting it to be a thing or he was trying to he was like catfishing him or some shit but he's like nah i just liked fucking with him and then i could hear him on the recordings getting mad <laughs> yeah he does say like guys oh, you know it's psychological warfare or whatever but i'm also just like you're, it seems like you were just very bored and 
that this potentially could have blown the <laughs> cover you had of the fact that he was bugged. Uh, but I guess it was fine. And he, he hears like threats or people lower down saying that, yeah, we're going to, we, we could take him out or whatever. And then the main guy going like, nah, he's just doing his job, you know, just trying to get a rise out of us, leave him be. Yeah. And <laughs> so that's was... cool. But it's also like, it, does that, is that, common procedure yes you are you supposed to do that <laughs> well because that's what i was thinking because i was thinking about like when i was watching this i was thinking about the mafia and just our general uh between like mafia movies the idea of the mafia kind of like you know people get like fascinated with it and it's understandable and i i, I think that's a big part of it at least the way us normies like to think is we like to think that yeah they're criminals but they have this code and i guess there is truth to that they, they they do like to think of themselves as like gentlemen with a code and Sopranos is kind of about how hypocritical that is. But yeah. like tying that into a real story with that guy, like that's the way we like to think of the mob where some, you know, uh, some Richie April or not Richie April, some um, oh, well, I'm spacing on uh, who Frank Vincent plays at the moment. Uh, God damn it. Uh, Phil, so like yeah, some some Phil Leotardo's like, uh, John, you got to whack this guy, you know, like some hothead or then or then when Phil had his little ghoul guy that was telling him to whack Tony and they're like, you got to whack this detective. And he's like, nah, come on, put a hit on a guy. He's doing his job. He's, he's his job is to arrest us. Our job is not to get arrested. You like to think that there's this uh, code of ethics that they have. Uh, even though, you know, at the end of the day, they are just criminals. But I guess that is what gives it more of the shine or veneer of uh, th these these criminal organizations. Yeah, for sure. And, like, when he, the guy's getting arrested way later and he's, like, puts his hand out, out for cuffs and he's like, ah, oh, you don't need those. <laughs> <laughs> and then, But then also how all of the mobsters feel like they're being done dirty when they find out that they've been bugged because that's not fair. You're not playing by the rules anymore. Yeah. But that's also, I mean, the obvious Sopranos parallel is this, this can be seen as a prequel because obviously episode one of the Sopranos we talk about all the time, Tony feels like he's coming in at the end of something. Uh, and it's a parallel for America. It's a parallel. Oh, great writing all around, but it's also about how the mob used to have free reign. And that's pretty much what they're depicting at the beginning of the series and how Rico and Rudy Giuliani and everything just comes down on them like a ton of bricks. And this sort of creates the paranoia that we have in Tony and the whole gang in general, where they, instead of having this, you know, golden age of the mob uh, that we might see more of in, say, The Irishman, uh, it's more like, you know, this we're doing this still and we're soldiering on, but it's kind of fucked now. And uh, I could get put away forever and people aren't even following the code anymore. That was like the one thing we had. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's just interesting because it's like even the things like they were still somewhat of aware because, you know, like you mentioned, and it's in one of the episodes, they place a bug in a restaurant, but then they find it. You hear them like that. Oh, that wire looks weird. That cable looks out of place. And then the microphone goes dead. But then they place another bug in that restaurant and they get a bunch of great evidence because of it. So it's instead of learning the lesson of like, oh, shit, they bug this place once. This place is not safe anymore. They're just kind of I mean, I guess it's just. People are forced. Uh, you're a uh, force of like habit, I guess. So it's like, oh, you think you're safe? I don't know. It's just weird to think because in the movies you think, oh, 
this place is no longer worth it. We don't go here anymore. Uh, but no, you just figure, oh, we got that bug one time. They wouldn't bug this place again. Let's start talking business here again. Yeah, uh, for sure. And But I guess we see that in The Sopranos as well, where yeah. like Tony's like, oh, no, we got to talk in the basement. The basement is somehow safe. <laughs> you know, <laughs> true. Yeah. For some reason. And um, it's so it's it's such a like no matter whether you're a criminal or not, even if you don't have anything to hide, it's such a stark reminder that like everyone has their habits and you watch someone long enough, you could figure out wherever like that weak point is, I guess, or just a place like, cause I, I'm not a criminal, but I'm like, Oh shit, I got to change up my routine. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> they might be following you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and it's interesting as well uh, how, you know, the people listening to that and picking up on those habits are also starting to feel close to them. Like, he sends the greeting cards to fuck with him, but also later, I don't remember which guy talks about it, but the fact that, like, he was, like, sad when one of them got whacked a, a little bit, partly because it was, you know, he was the linchpin of the case. You're going to put him away forever, and now he's just dead, so that sucks. But also, like... I kind of know this guy. It's kind of yeah. how we feel about Twitch streamers and podcasters and whatnot. <laughs> you spend enough time Dude. listening to two fucks talk about The Sopranos, you know. Feel like I, you know him, right, guys? I, I totally thought about podcasts when that guy was. Yeah, he was saying, you know, I've listened to this. I've listened to Paul Castellano for six hundred hours over the past decade, and I'm like, holy shit! You know, that's what happens. You listen to a podcast, you don't know the person, but you're like, I know this person. I'm close to them. Uh, and yeah, that was a great detail when they got into, cause yeah, it was partially because, oh, all this work we put in to build a case, but also, you know, very similar to like an agent Harris or something, you know, when he's like, ah, we're going to win this thing. You kind of couldn't blame someone for becoming attached to this person because you've been following them and (laughs) studying their day and what, how they uh, operate. And of course, then listening to you know, most of that is probably just personal conversations. And I'm sure there are moments where, you know, they're chilling in the van and they're like, ah, you know, ah, Paul got his car fixed. You know, you know, it's been making noises that whole time. And it but it's not even about like getting a bug or or finding an angle. It's just kind of like, you know, how the car's making a noise. You know what it turned out being? There was a dead rat in a muffler. Like, oh, man, you know, who, who could have saw it? Yeah, it is like their own little TV show, I guess. Yeah, and at one point they even hear like the big mob boss having an affair with his maid. Yes, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is very Tony Soprano, of course, um, and pretty much what we expect from all the mob media. Like, of course, that is happening. The only bit I was surprised by was like the investigator and the FBI is like, "Yeah, I've been hanging out with their maid. She's been giving me photographs <laughs> from the family pictures, and she just mentions that to the mob guy." Yes. And I'd be, I'd be like, "She's dead," but then he's just like don't do that <laughs> yeah that's right stop He's... doing that uh, seemingly they continue their affair i don't know they never followed up on that storyline <laughs> yeah she just outright says like oh yeah i've been talking to this guy he's a detective and he's like what are you doing don't <laughs> don't do that uh oh and also i do want to point out that every person on tape sounds like tony soprano did you notice that at all well maybe not every person but towards the end like the back half of episode two and episode three it felt like every voice was especially the nasally like Tony voice 
which got like, you know, different from season one Tony as we go on the show. And I mean, I guess the way Gandolfini was, I wouldn't be surprised if he's listening to some of these tapes and trying to talk like them because I kept hearing Tony in a lot of these tapes. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm sure you're right because that is the the main influence and all. Um, and, you know, it's weird when you hear Jane, when you hear Gandolfini talking outside of The Sopranos, and you're like, oh, yeah, he's not a big mob monster guy. <laughs> you forget these things. Um, I did want to read an excerpt from a review here. It's from uh, uh, RogerEbert.com from Brian Tallarico, who writes that unlike a lot of Netflix miniseries, I almost felt like Fear City could have used another chapter. It ends with the verdict in the commission trial, and there's a rushed commentary on how that destroyed the mob, but nothing as powerful as this structure just disappears. How did crime in New York change in the 90s and 2000s? How about the mafia in other parts of the country, or even parts of the world? And that uh, kind of ties into what I was saying at the start there as well. I felt the same, and I also felt like we could have gone back further in time. Yeah. Um, you know, because we do get up caught up in dramatizing moments, like we were saying, uh, and telling the story of the FBI. And I just would have preferred to see a bit more of, like... Because they definitely had time to put in, like, how did we end up here? How did we get to this place where they're suddenly a huge part of this society, a shadow part of the society, and... Some of that, actually, if you, if you are interested, um, I mean, maybe you've heard it already because it was on the feed, but uh, the real history episode or, or the mashup uh, episode we did uh, when we discussed the history connected to the Irishman, it's just, I, ex I would have expected to see some of that, like how these five families came to rule the place, how they were initially fighting with one another, how the commission was formed and why and yeah. when and where. They just don't get into any of that because it's like about the commission case. So I'm a bit surprised they're just like, you know, they were doing this thing and they don't go into like the history of it. Um, I just I, I do see the point of seeing it through the FBI perspective where bits are revealed over time. We see this in, you know, the captions of the tapes and they like focus on the commission like, huh? The club, yeah. huh? What are these things? We need to figure out what they are. But then maybe after that go into and how this came to be. Or what do you think, Jim? No, I agree. Because and I think it better explains what we're trying to say at the start of this discussion, because it's not necessarily that it shouldn't be episodic. Uh, it's just that what's here should have been more compacted in less episodes, but you could still make it three or even more episodes, but get, but spend time to get into some of these things. Uh, cause it just felt like what they had was stretched a bit rather than delving into some more of the stuff. Cause yeah, I would have loved to hear, uh, or, or get into some of that. And I, yeah, I guess they would probably say that they're focusing on the FBI side but, yeah, there's still room for that. And they kind of pay a little lip service at the end to, like, you know, hey, what's next? Like, they use a like a real news uh, um, report where they're like, well, okay, well, now that we've got the commission, now what's to come? And, I mean, I assume they're the way that the way it's goes, like, because they show Trump a bunch and they also talk about, like, New York was basically built off the mafia. So I assume we're led to believe it's, like, the corporate mafia, which I guess is probably truth to that. But... I don't know. Let's let's get into that. Let's let's uh, uh, let's let's delve into that story. I mean, I guess this is about New York versus the mafia, but you know, let's just make it uh, about the mafia. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like for example, when forget his name now, but the guy who gets whacked, you know, the boss of bosses. Um, yeah, I think that's Paul Castellano. 
yeah. So when when Paul Castellano uh, gets actually, yeah, when he gets uh, whacked, they mention like how John Gotti is someone who was there and like had to do it first because he'd been moving drugs and he the boss didn't want him moving drugs and I'm like this is all out of fucking Goodfellas and then I'm yeah. like oh no they took that from Real World, yeah. Uh, but like I was just like John Gotti. Why do I know that name? And I just go to his Wikipedia, and you find out like, oh, he he pretty much took over after this guy, yeah. uh, pretty much immediately, and he's he runs the show afterwards. So so I was like, well, w- you bring up the guy. Would you not mention that like, uh, we got we got these guys, but now you know this fucking John Gotti guy's up there doing his shit. Like, would you not even mention it? Because you already mentioned him by name. It's kind of important that he becomes the boss of bosses afterwards, right? Well, yeah, I mean, and especially because, I mean, I know the name John Gotti because it's just he is, you know, a famous mobster. He's the Dapper Don, uh, if you will. But uh, they've already built up. You'd think they'd spend a little bit on him at the very least, even if they're not going to get into it because – They've already built up throughout these series about what a big deal it is of whacking someone and especially a boss. So, but I mean, maybe it's just such a can of worms to get into. But is but because I'm even think even though I know John Gotti, I'm like, oh shit! So how like what was the blowback of that of killing a boss? Um, and did he have approval? How did that work? I do love the idea that it's just because. Oh no! If he hears those tapes. <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna freak out we gotta get him uh but yeah i mean because there's john Gotti and like sammy the bull i think was like his main enforcer there's all kinds of stuff with those dudes yeah uh unlike you uh at the end there i didn't think they i when they were like what's next i was like is are they they're trying to do a sequel series season two of fear city is that what they're doing so that's what i assumed because like uh they just left so much stuff well, obviously. I mean, you can't cover the whole thing. It's too big. So I'm, I know I'm complaining about them, you know, not going into stuff, but it's only because they spend so much time on what's in there and really, like, dramatize the moments where I'm like, these moments are good, but they're not, like, as dramatic as you're making them out to be. And, like, like when they're describing, like, the team, right? They They got an identical car, took it apart made sure they could do it and then they did it again and then they did it again and then they did it again and that goes on for like a minute i'm like i get it i get it they did it again (laughs) they did it loads of times they figured it out but they spent so much time on that that i'm like there's other things you could have gone into so my assumption was uh that there were angling for maybe doing a second season and i don't know it is like number one on netflix in ireland and the u.s right now but then that is very temporary who knows what people will feel about it i'd be down i mean i'd i'd welcome it i want to i want to watch some more um, yeah. I feel like I've, uh, uh, I haven't, um, uh, boned up on my real ma- mafia history. So I'd like a nice Netflix documentary to, to, to get into some more stuff. So I'd appreciate that. Um, it's weird too, how they were like NBC news called, they're going to report on your arrest tomorrow. And I don't know why, why couldn't they be like, Hey, no, you can't do that. We haven't arrested anyone yet, but also, NBC News, what they, there's a leak where the news knew about it, but then the, the mafia didn't know about it. Like, I don't know. I want a little bit more on the, the details behind that because it made them like up their timeline. They're like, all right, we got to go do it now. But I don't know. You know, what is this? Is this the, the sham media I've been hearing all about on the social on social media these days? They were going to fuck up this uh, the potential, you know, bust. Yeah, because uh, oh, I was sorry. also like, I guess it's. Uh, 
I guess it's just uh, a leak that we're just not going to worry about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Seems like top secret stuff, but I guess they do have like 50 or something people working on it. Or maybe I'm thinking ahead of and, the lawyers. I don't know. But they've got loads of people working on it, obviously. And they absolutely should have went a little bit more into kind of the backgrounds of these guys. Because I loved when they were talking about how, you know, uh, I think it was Castellano. They, you know, how the the CNN guy or whatever asked him. He's like, hey. You should talk to us. You can't have just Giuliani being the mouthpiece of this story. Give us your side. And then Castellano's like, oh, okay, you know, here you go. Here's my lawyer's card. Go and talk to him. And then Fat Tony's like, yeah, go fuck yourself. <laughs> I don't talk to the news. So I would love to know a little bit more about their backgrounds to know, like, oh, how did these guys interact then? Because, yeah. you know, Fat Tony's the classic guy you want to see in a mob movie. But also, I guess Castellano is as well. We love the kind of the, the the business version of a mafia guy but how is he interacting with a fat Tony? He's like ah oh, fuck you uh, the boss of bosses uh, eat my balls or whatever <laughs> yeah and it's like they <laughs> they we go into them we go into fat tony and castellano a bit more but it's like there's five families and they keep talking about these different cases but they don't really do a lot to differentiate between like the families and what was the difference about them they dive into they mainly go into people in detail what it's like well where are we putting the bug for this family where yeah. are we putting the bug for them and you know maybe it's like a voyeuristic thing but just to understand shows like the sopranos better i would love to have like and this is like kind of the structure and the families are equal but not really like i don't really know it's like we have tapes of them talking to each other but i'm like but how do they talk they, they're talking like they're in a boardroom then right or we get some clips and snippets but just sort of describing the relationships a bit more uh the sort of mob hierarchy and also like um you know the what what we might call like the genealogy of who was the boss and who took over when from what have you and when they mention like Casa Nostra, like we go into in the the Irishman uh, history episode, it's like th they say in this, like that's not a term we invented. They created these terms for the commission and that. And I'm like, well, when? Tell us more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what does Casa Nostra mean? <laughs> and I mean, I kind of I know that because I did another episode on it. But I'm like, this is a three hour thing. Like maybe tell me more about the mob. I don't know. Well, because <laughs> even I think we're just repeating ourselves now. But, yeah, yeah, I just a couple few details before we finish up. Um, Cause even like you know Johnny Vets, like they called me Johnny Vets because I, <laughs> I told all my friends to buy Corvettes, and and then that was it. Uh, then they were like, okay, on to the next. Um, and then I, I don't know if it's just the, like I was saying before, like the the mob mob movies and media make me like distrust the feds, and plus there's just this general like distrust of the police with everything going on now. But when they bring out Bruno in in Delicados, like the the car handle and all of a sudden they find a palm print i'm like these motherfuckers they planted a print this is oh. bullshit there's no way 10 years later they're digging it up and then they're like oh we never thought get a thumb get a uh, palm print um but then also with bruno i love that then he's the guy i feel like maybe that's why he stood up in court started screaming because that's not something any person would do i don't care if you're like a hothead in the mob when you're on trial for murder you don't start screaming at the <laughs> at the lawyer because it clearly is going to make you look guilty. But I feel like he did that because there was no palm print. I was never in that car. Goddamn uh, pigs. Interesting. 
interesting now because my my th take on it was more like this is just like the rico thing where they're like oh we had this law for 10 years uh, what yeah. bugging the mob <laughs> we never thought of that and then like oh the palm right <laughs> like, yeah. i just thought it was another like uh a, a all cops are idiots thing <laughs> like oh we didn't think of that <laughs> uh and yeah i mean it, also that the lawyer talking about fat tony buying his kids like a bunch of cabbage patch dolls like is that like a is that legal <laughs> you know can I, I mean i guess he is your lawyer he's, he's on your payroll so i guess it's not like a bribe i guess if he bought a bunch of Cabbage Patch dolls for the prosecutor, maybe then that'd be illegal. Cause no, that'd thinking... be a psychological warfare, <laughs> like sending them greeting cards. Yeah. I'd just send them Cabbage Patch kids. <laughs> that's call me, That's why they call me Johnny Patch. <laughs> oh, and you know, I do need to call out, I forget their names, but I think one of them is, um, uh, uh, shoot, who was Giuliani's? Uh, I think one of them, yeah, one of them is Mike Chertoff, who's Giuliani's deputy. And... They're showing the pictures of it's Mike Chertoff and two other guys. And they're like, here we were, two 29-year-olds and a 30-year-old. And they show a picture of them, and they look old as fuck. <laughs> they do not look, <laughs> I didn't think that. <laughs> they do not okay. look like two 29-year-olds and a 30-year-old. I'm sorry. I, I, I don't know if I'm the only one that, that's picking this up. Let me see if I can just find this scene real quick uh, to pull it up. It could be, but I just think I don't. I don't think they look old as fuck. I think they look uh, really adult. They're wearing suits. They You don't expect them to be that old. He's got kind Hold of on. a weird mustache going on. You know what's perfect is that, for, at least for episode three on my Netflix, it's the picture, it's the thumbnail for the episode. So it's like they know perfect. that this is bullshit. Um, Are you putting it on the video? Can yeah, I'm going to get some. Yeah, let me put it up on the video here. Just a okay. moment. So if you're listening on the podcast feed, of course, we have all of our episodes at uh, youtube.com slash shows what you know. Uh, you can find our channel there. I mean, usually we don't do a lot of visual stuff. You get just get to see our gorgeous faces. But uh, now we're going to see some other faces, slightly less gorgeous, yeah, well, if uh, technology will cooperate with us. Oh, yeah. Actually, I got to go out of split screen real quick. All right. That's fine. There we go. All right. Yeah, here we go. Look at these dudes. <laughs> Here we were. Two 29-year-olds and a 30-year-old. You know what? I stand corrected. <laughs> I that mean, guy I guess, has an unfortunate hairline. I mean, yeah, believe me. I mean, I, I have a reason, I'm losing my hair. Not as bad as this guy, but I understand that feel. But it's just, I mean, I guess part of that is also, I, I don't know if it's just the way things change because, or... Anytime they you see a young person, like I guess before you were born or when you were young, they look older than you know young people today for some reason. I don't know what it yeah, is. We're, Supposedly we're eating we're all, worse food because we're eating all fast food and shit, but people look way younger than this. <laughs> nah, it's all mental, man. It's like Netflix and the housing market keeping us all uh, childlike uh, as we grow up or quote grow up. The guy on the right looks like a fucking governor. He looks like he's you know the mayor in the I wire mean, or I, some shit. I guess you're right. The suits definitely make someone look older. But yeah, that guy also looks like he has like it looks like he's like a silver fox because he's got kind of grayish yeah. hair, at least in this picture. And again, maybe it's also because. Um, you know, cameras were like are better now or whatever. So I think they'd look better because <laughs> it would be, you know, a new yeah. camera. You get too much detail. You can see all the grays. Uh, no, I agree. They they look kind of old, but they also look really interesting. Like I, 
I I know I, I can see why they picked this for the cover because I'm like, damn, I the they've just got so much character in their faces, you know. Or maybe I'm just uh, reading too much into it. Well, it's so I was cracking up when I was watching it because I was like, because they it's almost like a reveal the way the scene plays because they're like, here here we were, just a couple of kids, two 29 year olds <laughs> and a 30 year old, and fades to the picture. I'm like, are you fucking serious? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great great points. Uh, great point, Jim. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyways, yeah. I, I mean, we've talked a lot about this. But, yeah, it's well worth a watch. And, I mean, I think it it's a nice uh, – obviously, if you're a big fan of Sopranos, you have that somewhat fascination with the mob and the mafia. And it's kind of a nice companion to that. Um, and you can see where I, – I, I mean, it's pretty clear that the – like David Chase and the writers are all, also f- uh, fascinated with the mafia and the mob. And – They've probably studied a lot of this stuff and got like little references here and there. So uh, good stuff overall. We just feel like there should have been a little bit more meat on the bones for the length. And we would have even wanted more if they started to get into more of this stuff. I think that's kind of our underlying uh, uh, point. For sure. And uh, look, it's just been great to to get back on this feed, get back in touch with you guys, uh, listening in for mob content. We've considered maybe watching some, uh, you know, uh, The Godfather, some stuff like that, uh, stuff we used to do between seasons maybe to to keep us, uh, you know, keep us in the actual brain space that we love so much uh, while we wait for more Sopranos content, Many Saints in Newark, etc., etc. Um, so b- between then, though, you can go to uh, showswhatyouknow.com. Mm-hmm. I did want to mention we have our podcast No Mercy, a Cobra Kai kickback, which is uh, following the naming convention <coughs> we set here on Cut to Black as yeah. a Toronto sit-down. Um, so if you've not seen Cobra Kai, uh, which you probably haven't, but it is coming to Netflix next month, uh, well, August uh, 2020. So it's uh, it's one of our favorite shows. And we do a podcast discussing it. It's called No Mercy, a Cobra Kai kickback. And yeah, check out Cobra Kai if you haven't, because it's amazing. Yes. I also wanted to say, uh, of course, there's JimandThem.com, where you can get Jim talking to uh, FBI agents, like yes. a big scab. And then uh, I'm about to put out a long video on the historical context behind uh, Alexander Hamilton and the musical Hamilton, which I know is a bit different than what you're seeing here. I don't know how much the Venn diagram of mob shit and Alexander Hamilton, like, interact but hamilton is a big musical it's a good musical jim's even watched it now uh because i'm turning into a big Jim, fan you refused too. right for years well i refused just because i couldn't see it i i wasn't gonna yeah. listen to it without seeing it now that i've seen it i kind of resisted but now i'm cranking songs in my personal life so i'm a fan i'm a big cool fan. cool um, so I've put together a big video essay, much like I did on Game of Thrones a few years ago. So it's just talking about the historical context of Hamilton. And you can find that. I'm just doing the like literally after we finish the call here, I'm going to finish that and put it up. So you can nice. find that on YouTube. Just search for Awesomepedia. That's my YouTube channel, just like awesomepedia.org is my website. Um, but I think that pretty much covers it. Unless there's one more thing you want to say, Jim? Uh, actually, there is one more thing. Um, oh, what's that? Well, I mean, before the one more thing, I would just like to thank you for uh, the listener for taking time out from listening to uh, the cast of the show discuss the Sopranos. Sorry, I'm a little bitter. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a little bitter, but also grateful that we finished our watch through. But uh, thank you for checking out with us. But also one last thing. 
cut to black. 